Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. I wonder if you ever met someone with a, a different spirit about them. You can't quite put your finger on it, but they just carry themselves differently. Right? We're all used to people responding to things in a certain way, at times getting triggered, frustrated, looking out for themselves, but every so often you bump into someone who just doesn't. They have this deep, unwavering strength. You'd love to be more like them, but you don't even know how, how to go about it. They just have a different spirit. They might as well be aliens. I've known a handful of people like this throughout my life, people with a different spirit about them. Call it enlightenment, spiritual integration, self-actualization, call it whatever you want. They just seem to have a, a, a deeper, simpler, less obstructed connection to themselves, to the world, to God even. Today we're going to look at one of those characters. This guy goes way back with Joshua. They have been in it together since the beginning of this journey through the wilderness into the promised land. He's a warrior, like a legit fighting machine. He's patient, loyal, trustworthy, and strong, like really strong. And the fun part is, He's also a senior citizen. That's right. He's 85 years old, and he can still hang in there with the young bucks. His name is Caleb. He's a lesser-known character in the Bible, but he's no joke. And so I want to spend some time with him this morning. But to do so, we have to speed the story up just a little bit. All right, so last week we took a second run at Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Right? It was the Israelites' first battle in the promised land, and it offered us some, some life lessons, but it also introduced some problematic dimensions of reading this book. And now, if, if the Battle of Jericho was the first battle in the promised land, it, it kind of assumes that there's some more to come. And so Joshua chapter 6 through 12 are primarily accounts of, of the other battles that they fight. Some of the battles they win by ridiculous margins. Some they lose. Sometimes the people are faithful and have almost like a shocking level of integrity. And other times they just look foolish and greedy. And all of those battles up to this point, they fought together as one army, one people. Together they've cleared out many of the major cities and strongholds. And the time has come to spread out, to split up, right? It's time to divide the promised land among the people so that they can start to establish their own roots. Next week, we're going to look at the way the land was divided and some really cool and intentional things that they did to, to stitch justice into the fabric of this new nation. But before Joshua announces the way this land's going to be split. Who's going to get what? 
He's paid a visit from an old friend. Caleb has come to see him. So let's listen in to their conversation as it's recorded in Joshua 14. In Gilgal, the people of Judah approached Joshua. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You yourself know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to scout out the land. I brought back a report to him of what I really thought my companions who had gone up with me made the people's heart melt. But I remained loyal to the Lord, my God. And I want to step out of the scripture reading just for a second to help you make a connection if you haven't already. What Caleb's doing here is he's, he's reminiscing. He's reminiscing with an old friend. He takes Joshua down memory lane and reminds him of the time the two of them went out as spies. Right, the time they found, remember back to our service, them big grapes and carried them all the way home so that people would know how great the promised land is. He's standing with Joshua, reminiscing, reminding him of the good old days. And on some level, that's what we're going to do this morning. This sermon's going to be a long walk down memory lane. Not too long, don't worry. See, Caleb is so much more than this one moment that we're going to read. And to have a a look, we've got to go back. We have to reminisce with the two of them. So let's go back if you can. Let's go back in time, back to last June, back to our memorial garden. We've been reading this story, this movement for a while now, and it's exciting when we get to connect dots, when we get to see the narrative progress and characters progress. And so, once again, hear the story of these two men scouting out the promised land 45 years earlier, as recorded in Numbers 13 and 14. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one man from each ancestral tribe, each a chief among them. So Moses sent them out from the Paran Desert according to the Lord's command. And Joshua and Caleb were two of the men selected. They returned from exploring the land after 40 days. They went directly to Moses and Aaron and the entire Israelite community in the Paran Desert at Kadesh. They brought back a report to them and to the entire community and showed them the land's fruit. Then they gave their report. We entered the land to which you sent us. It's actually filled with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. There are, however powerful people who live in the land, and the cities have huge fortifications, a.k.a. the walls of Jericho. And we even saw the descendants of the Anakites there. The Anakites were said to be literal giants. Now Caleb calmed the people before Moses and said, we must go up and take possession of it because we are more than able to. But the men who went up with him said, we can't go up against the people. 
because they're stronger than we. They started a rumor about the land that they had explored, telling the Israelites that the land we crossed over to explore is a land that devours its residents. All the people we saw are huge men. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers, and that's how we appeared to them. The entire community raised their voice, and the people wept all night. The Israelites criticized Moses and Aaron. The entire community said of them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us out of this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken by force. Wouldn't have it been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to each other, let's pick a new leader and go back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron, they they fell on their face before the assembled Israelite community. But Joshua, Nun's son, and Caleb, Jephunneh's son, from those who explore the land, they tore their clothes. And they said to the Israelite community, the land we crossed through to explore is an exceptionally good land. The Lord is pleased with us. He'll bring us into this land and give it to us. It's a land filled with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are our prey. Their defense has deserted them, but the Lord is with us. So don't be afraid. Instead, the entire community intended to stone them. Joseph, Caleb, and Joshua had the guts to stand up and tell it as it is. And the entire community intended to stone them. That's not an experience you forget quickly, right? If that doesn't bond two people together, I don't know what would. And so now Joshua is the leader of the entire Israelite community and Caleb is right there beside them and they go way back. Not only are they the only two who thought that it was possible to enter this promised land, they're now the only two who are left to tell the tale. They're the only two survivors of the generation that fled Egypt, that crossed the river, that wandered and endured the wilderness. They're the last ones standing. And now they get to look out at this land of milk and honey and imagine a world in which their children and their children's children don't have to fight, don't have to wander, don't have to portion out manna every morning. And so as we just read, Caleb finds Joshua and says to him, Brother, you yourself know what the Lord said to Moses about you and me when we were in Kadesh Barnea. I brought back a report to him of what I really thought. My companions who came up with us made the people's hearts melt, but I remain loyal to the Lord my God. So Moses pledged on that day that the land on which you walk will forever be a legacy for you and your children. This is because you remain loyal to the Lord my God. And you can almost picture Caleb with his arm around Joshua as they keep walking and talking. 
Look now, Caleb says in verse 10. Look now, the Lord has kept me alive exactly as he promised. It's been 45 years since the Lord spoke about this to Moses. It was while the Israelites were journeying in the desert. Now look, today I'm 85 years old. I'm just as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. My strength then was as my strength is now, whether for war or everyday activities. So now, give me this high land. The literal translation is give me this mountain that the Lord promised to me that day. He says, true, the Anakim are there with large fortified cities as you yourself heard that day. But if the Lord is with me, I should be able to remove them exactly as the Lord promised. What a dude. 85 years old. Him and Joshua are the last ones standing from a generation that fled Egypt. And he says, I'm just as strong today as I was the day Moses sent us out. Right? My strength is now as my strength was then, whether for war or everyday activity. So now give me this mountain. Right? He says, fact, the land is filled with giants. Fact, there are huge walls. But look now, give me this mountain. We keep reading in 13. So Joshua blessed him. He gave Hebron, the region on the mountainside, to Caleb as a legacy. So Hebron still belongs to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, as a legacy to this day. This is because he remained loyal to the Lord God of Israel. And then the land rested from war. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Caleb was a spy, a warrior, as strong at 85 as he was in his prime. He was a faithful man, a family man. Caleb was blessed. And his story, it excites me. It lights a fire in me. It makes me want to hit the gym and then buy a mountain. (laughs) Or maybe better yet, it makes me want to take someone else's mountain. Not literally, but kind of. And while we don't, don't know much about him, we catch, we catch just the glimpses of his character in these passages. He certainly sounds to have a, a ton of courage. The dude sounds brave, strong. But I've got to read one more passage to you as this description really caught me this week. I know we're reading a lot. So when the spies came back and 10 of the 12 said, like, we got to go back to Egypt. We need new leaders. God gets ticked at them. And God has something to say about Caleb amidst it all. And so let's read briefly from Numbers 14, starting in verse 22. Then the Lord said, none of the men who saw my glory and the signs I did in Egypt and the desert, but tested me these times and haven't listened to my voice, none of them will see the land I promised to their ancestors. All who disrespected me won't see it. But 
I'll bring my servant Caleb into the land that he explored and his descendants will possess it because he has a different spirit and he's remained true to me. He has a different spirit. He's remained true to me. Caleb's got all this alpha male, 007, old man warrior stuff going on, and yet the feature that God points out to us is a spirit. His spirit, he's got a different spirit about him. When 10 people said, we can't do it, he said, God can do it. When the entire crowd said, we're just grasshoppers, he says, God's not a grasshopper. He was different. He had a different spirit about him. And despite the ups and downs of his life, the wandering and enduring the wilderness, he remained true to God, true to himself, true to to his spiritual grounding. And you get a picture that that Caleb didn't just wake up one day an 85-year-old legend of strength and faithfulness. He'd been standing up for what was right his whole life. He'd been building up spiritual muscle memory and aligning himself with God for years. Because of it, because of the spiritual strength he built up over his life, we get to this point in the story and his courage and conviction is just completely unmatched. Have you all heard of the term old man strength? No? Must be a Canadian phenomenon, I guess. I'll take it. It's a legitimate phenomenon that occurs when when repetitious movements of, of force, right, over time create a depth of strength that can overpower younger muscles that by all accounts should be stronger and more vital. As an example, this is me in my peak fitness challenging my dad to an arm wrestle. He's old. I'm young. He's never had a gym membership in his life. And at the time, I was drinking concoctions of creatine and protein powder. This was the moment I become alpha. Except for it wasn't even close. I lean into it, and he has a smirk on his face. He holds his position for a while, just long enough for me to think about how foolish it was to challenge him, and then it's over. It's old man strength. It's a thing. There's nothing you can do about it, despite everything that tells us that we lose muscle mass and density at an alarming rate as we age. There's... There's just a level of strength and grit and intensity that sometimes is hidden under the surface and it's tough as nails. And God knows there's old woman strength too, right? I've watched my grandmother fling a 50 pound kid on her hip like it was nothing. On a recent trip home, I had to surrender to a particularly hard open jar of pickled beans and my little five foot three mom and to open it for me. She had the same smirk on her face. (laughs) Caleb was as strong at 85 as he was in his prime. He had that old man's strength. And he had a different spirit about him. 
right? Which is cool to note because I think, I think that spiritual vitality is built up in the same way as physical strength. Have you ever known someone who had walked the walk for so long, they just seemed unshakable? Or someone who had navigated enough ups and downs in their life that they just seemed unbreakable? Right? They, their prayer life, their spiritual life, their disciplines of faith and love had become so integrated into their being that they almost seemed superhuman. They just had a different spirit about them. Do you know anyone like that? Can you call to mind anyone like that? Your mom or grandma, your dad or uncle, maybe, maybe a minister you once knew, maybe a teacher, a mentor, a coach. Maybe it's that couple that always sits behind you in a pew. Have you ever known someone who was, was a spiritual giant who had that old-time spiritual strength? And who knows, maybe, maybe you are one of those people. You probably don't think of yourself as, as that strong, as that rooted, but, but others do. Right? We see you, we look up to you. One of the people that came to mind isn't here with us this morning, Jim and Wyone Heglin. They are superheroes to so many of us. Right? They always show up. Their commitment uh, to community and justice is hard for us to wrap our minds around. D. Westfall, <laughs> the strength of your prayers and faith are only outmatched by the strength of your grip. Seriously, you got to be careful when holding her hand. She will squeeze your fingers off. Jim and Penny Porter. The aura of, of their presence is powerful. The depth of, of your insight makes your words of encouragement everything. And I could just keep going. Friends, I could keep going. There are Caleb's in our midst. Folks who have a different spirit about them, who have remained committed to their faith, their spiritual life for so long that, that they've become giants. Right? These folks have some old-time spiritual strength. They can, they can lean into the promises of God and say, give me this mountain, and it happens. And the secret is, any one of you can become a Caleb. Any one of you can develop that kind of strength, that kind of grit, that kind of spirit. Like building physical strength or, or building almost anything is just one day at a time, right? One prayer at a time, one act of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, one act at a time. It's never too late to prioritize your spirit. It's never too late to lean into God. It's never too late to build up some of that spiritual muscle memory. And the best part is you have everything you need right at the tip of your hand. So seek out the Caleb's in your life. Give them a call. Have them over for dinner. Ask them about their story. Ask them to reminisce with you because strength like that always has a story attached to it. And if you do, 
if you commit to practicing spiritual disciplines one day at a time over and over throughout the course of your life, you will also never be too old to claim your mountain. Give me this mountain, he said. Amen.